Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Select Start podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me is my uh, co-host, Chris. And today we're going to be talking about uh, what has us purchasing video games, what influences us to actually click that buy button, or I guess if uh, if you're not into digital downloads, going into a store and purchasing a game. So that's going to be our main topic for today. I find it very interesting, and I think we've got a lot of different opinions, uh, as well as I'm interested in any of the communities opinions on what influences them to buy a game. So with that, let's go ahead and select start. Hey guys, it's Chris here. Glad to be here this week. Um, Honestly, before we we get on to the big topic of today, which I'm super excited about. I was kind of wondering with with the changes in the fall lineup, if you're playing anything different this week. Well, yeah, obviously, like, I guess, as we're talking about uh, kind of like, what are we playing? What's going on? And um, <laughs> the uh, like I said last week, you know, the updates they were talking. I was talking about rumored updates for Destiny getting custom PvP matches. Well, that was that was confirmed, and so uh, I know uh, Mark and I we've been uh, diving headfirst back into Destiny. We've really taken since we cleared. Uh, you know, when I say cleared the Taken King content, which was kind of the main story and some stuff, we've both really been on a, a hiatus for that game having poured hundreds and hundreds of hours into it, but uh, we've divin, uh, uh, divin, driven, we've dove back in uh, at a, a kind of full on uh, this weekend along with uh, Overwatch. So it's been a very uh, kind of class-based shooter heavy uh, heavy week uh, for us. And so that's, that's what I'm playing. How about you, Chris? Well, uh, this week my uh, my wife was out of town visiting some some family out of state, so I had a very long weekend to just binge play. So I know you and I and some guys went and saw Suicide Squad and everything, yeah. and that was a blast. But that was actually really good. I don't understand the like the hate behind it. it was it, it a was, perfect movie? No, no. I, but it, it was, was incredibly entertaining. It's all good out. Incredibly entertaining. So I, you know, I've been doing that, but I dove really hard into getting some quality time on the Titanfall 2 open beta. Now we were able excited. to actually play one round of Titanfall 2 together. Obviously guys full like for anybody like it says pre-alpha we 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 say beta but it's like it's like pre-alpha technical can the servers even run tests? It's like so there were some connection issues that we experienced, but we did get to play one one game together, and it was incredible. Like I, I did not actually get to spend that much time with Titanfall Two, so I, I didn't even mention it, just because I only maybe played one or one or two uh, games or matches. Uh, I think we were we played one, and then uh, we went to play another, and you were like talking on on the party chat saying we were we were losing and i was like i'm real confused chris because we're totally dominating this match and it turned out like we thought we were together but we ended up being moved into two separate games completely and that was kind of a bummer but sorry i kind of cut you off on that one yeah i i've been enjoying playing that uh i have been watching a lot of a lot of twitch and even when i was burned out on playing because i can't marathon like i used to (laughs) i uh i still just turned right back around and threw on twitch and youtube and i think at one point i had twitch on my tv and youtube on my phone like i was just enjoying as much content as i could shove in my face out in the living room eating 
junk food and, and just <laughs> living it up. Um, if left to my own devices, I would never have clean laundry. My wife is well, the reason I get ashamed about dirty laundry being on the floor and I do something I think essentially it. that uh, some studies show that like, you know, being married does tend to prolong male lives because because <laughs> you eat better, you take better care of yourself. You, yeah. You, you might the joke is that it does make it feel like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, no, it's, it's too funny. It's a marriage <laughs> joke right there. Um, no, but one of the things we also we also played, and you know, just kind of a, a brief. So before we went over the movie, Chris and I were hanging out, and we were we went old school with some Rainbow Six Vegas two, um, just for a little while before we just got too frustrated, both with the control scheme, but namely, you know, because like we pumped up the difficulty to realistic, couldn't get through one of those terrorist hunt modes, and then uh, we lowered it down, and we were able to finally clear it, but barely. Like <laughs> it, it was pretty. It was pretty intense it was not uh we were not rainbow six uh seal quality uh <laughs> terrorist hunters in that game i don't know that a larger team of us would have made it better like we was just throwing <laughs> two clumsy people at the problem well uh, it's fascinating because like you look at it, it's on the 360 you, we it doesn't seem I mean, it's. I mean, when you think about it, like the Xbox One, PS4, they're coming up on like four years. Like we're talking about, we've been in a significant amount of time in the current generation. Maybe, maybe like next year, four years or something official. But uh, it wasn't all that long ago that this game, you know, was you know the, the new thing. And the controls, they seem to have. They were so different. They were. That was one of the things that was took the longest time to, to get into was just the control scheme because we've gotten so used to. I guess what is now considered the modern shooter tactical as rainbow six is it was, it was more like, Oh, I need to press down on the right stick to zoom in. I'm not used to that. That's it's so funny that that used to be what the norm was, especially on halo and all those other games. Yeah. I tried to, I tried to melee a guy. I threw a grenade at both of our feet. It was just a nightmare. (laughs) It was very clumsy, Uh, but we got there and we did get it done eventually. So, uh, like, we kind of digressed and stuff, but like, what did you think of uh, of Titanfall Two? It is like, and we've and we've said on the show in, in the past episodes, it is kind of our big fall game for the for the game night crew um, to be migrating over to in October. Um, so, I mean, obviously, like Alpha side, you know, like that being said, what are your impressions? So, like, what what, what what did you take away? So this kind of transitions into what I'm looking forward to this fall, and uh, Titanfall is definitely still on the list. Uh, they only have they only had three game types uh, as the re- weekend wrapped up. They had your pilot hunter, which is just your standard deathmatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't anything new. It was definitely just Titanfall one the same. Uh, the UI is a lot different in the upgrade screen and stuff, and it, it's definitely been rehashed. I like it a lot. It definitely looks like it got a facelift. Not that there was anything wrong with the old system. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's. Uh, the second type that was that was really new to me that I was playing was Bounty Hunter. And basically yeah. it's it's kind of the PvE mode from before, but now there's another team on there. So it's a lot like a Halo Warzone or, or something like that. And you rack up money as you clear a phase of AI. And then if you shoot another player, you get half that player's money. And at the end of the phase, there's two banks on the map. And you basically run there to deposit your money before you get shot. Uh, 
And so that was, that was really interesting. It was a nice change of pace. I did miss it just being the standard Titanfall mode, just kind of the, whatever that was called where it's the attrition just, or yes. Yeah. yeah I, I, missed. I, I think obviously from just a technical test that, you know, they know that how that mode's supposed to work. So let's, we don't need to necessarily have people t- test that out too much. Maybe. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. I, I've saw, I went onto the forums because like, you know, so I, I talked just a minute ago about how we were in one game together and then we were not in any other games after that together. And we were saying like the simple fire team or, or party type system, they have this uh, new system called networks, which is really a cool concept. It actually makes it a lot easier. It's kind of this, you know, in-game clan that we can have everybody a part of. It wasn't necessarily super clear how to both invite people in or to restrict that or manage that but obviously this is pre-alpha but you know the lack of a clear of like who's all in this you know and i'm just going to use fire team because destiny halo like a lot it's a it's a common concept in shooters now the fire team um you know wasn't really clear about that and so um you know with with that i thought like other than that was the the i thought the ui like you said uh, i actually i like the changes that they've made um, I'm very interested to see it, but I think that, you know, obviously that attrition and some of the, I guess the other modes, um, they, they've kind of limited. I think that with next week though, they're, they're going to be introducing either more maps or more modes or, or something like that. Cause they, they had three modes, two maps this week, next weekend or this coming. So by the time you're listening to the podcast here in a couple of days, they'll have another technical test. And I, I don't know. I think they're, they were talking about introducing more modes. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with boosts. Uh, it's kind of, it's a lot like a Call of Duty um, kill streak system, where basically you kill a lot of people, you unlock a boost. The only two boosts that were available this time around uh, that I had a chance to mess with was the amped weapons, which does exactly what it sounds like, and then these kind of tick mines that you like you throw down, and they kind of just run around like stupid robots, and they try to target a Titan. I saw a lot of I saw a lot of people using those. Unfortunately, if you throw that down and you're trying to like camp a hard point because that's the third game type that was out there and you're you're sitting on a hard point capping it and you throw your tick mine down and somebody comes around the corner and shoots it it will explode and it will kill you too um <laughs> so that's that's a little bit of a learning curve there some of the things felt clunky like the new party system you can definitely tell they're still working through some kinks it'll be interesting to see how they're able to push through all that by october um but a lot of it felt really well refined the maps felt good the guns felt yeah. good um the maps really, felt great like they really felt like just well designed for some absolutely. of the best maps i've felt like i've played in a while you know where it's like you know we were we were talking like in party chat during the during our playtime, and it was that it was really fascinating because um halo you know it's smaller teams and more condensed you know closer areas to kind of encourage that fight but uh with uh, titanfall you have these big titan mechs that you can be in but then you also have the, these pilots who can run around and run through buildings and under things and so that the 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 levels felt just like both massive and also very very tight and 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 well well thought out and thought through that was actually one of the i think the great strengths of the original titanfall and one of the reasons why we played it so much and played it so often and uh, why I think, you know, obviously uh, off of that playtime for the original is what's driving us uh, to uh, play the sequel. You know, it's <laughs> uh, I think yeah. that's kind of obvious to state, which is really exciting to see them go multi-platform b- to be able to open it up to more. And I'm, I'm interested in checking out the single player campaign to get more of the, I guess, hopefully the lore and a feel for the, the larger conflict uh, outside of just deathmatch, go ahead. You look like you got a. 
No, speaking of single player, have you seen any of the clips from the early release of Deus Ex? Any of the Let's Play videos? No, I I have not. I know a lot of people are stoked. I got several friends who are like, they they can't wait for them. Well, I guess we're recording this Monday night. So sometime tonight, they'd probably be staying up pretty late to to play when it it unlocks. I'm kind of excited. Uh, the you itching to get it? Uh, yeah, and you're my Square Enix uh, fanboy buddy. You're my <laughs> if if you got a tattoo, it would be you know the Square Enix logo right across your chest. I just it'd be a total and, black and mage, so, That's, and it'd be an eight bit black mage. <laughs> it would be my uh, tattoo. So, so <laughs> I was shocked that I I heard you know I got super excited about it before you, but I I kind of want it now. And I feel like, you know, here we are after like three weeks. Like, I feel like the last six months I've been so consistent, you know, over the last year, I've only really bought Halo. I've picked up a couple of free games. I've picked up a couple of old games that have had new life breathed into them. I've really been pretty loyal to a very small number of titles. And then since we started recording this podcast every week, I feel like a schizophrenic. I'm like, ooh, shiny. I want to go. I want to go play this other new title now that I just heard of because I think this podcast is really pushing me to go out and do the research. And so I'm excited exposed all these articles where i'm suddenly aware of how many toys i don't own um so that's 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 something i'm looking forward to and that kind of leads us into kind of our main topic it's that you know so you've been exposed now through the podcast of this world of these games and these like like you said these toys that unless you were looking you might not find so uh, i think you know with that i think it's uh, i think it's high time we've kind of teased the the main topic enough what are your thoughts shall we shall we jump in or is there any other thoughts you want to to wrap up with on uh, on kind of things you're excited about no i think that's great i think that's great the idea behind the topic this week is um basically the role of the modern game review and the role of the modern how do you go about selecting where your money and and more importantly your time in an era mm-hmm. where there's a lot of free to play and and um you know microtransaction type games available how do you allocate your time, especially if it's limited? Mm-hmm. Um, that's something with the that job, with the family. Yes. With, yes. I mean, you know, even if you don't have like all these different things competing, there's a lot of games out there and great <sighs> games. We're, you know, somebody was like saying like the Xbox 360 and the PS, you know, three era was this golden age for games. It's like I, I kind of feel like there's a golden age in every console generation, right? That it's like, there's like, when you look back at a generation, you're like, wow, these titles were like pivotal. They were critical. Um, and they, they stand out above all other titles, but like recently I, I, I feel you. And so like, how, how do, uh, you know, and this is also a question out to anybody listening to the show. Like what influences you? What are your factors? I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got some ideas on my factors and, and this also, there was also a Forbes article. We'll put a, a link in the, on the YouTube and I guess in any descriptions that you guys can go check out. And he's talking, uh, the author's talking about, um, video game reviews and how movie reviewers have it easy <laughs> because a game is something like you would, you should take a time like you would take a, for a very long book. I get like, he, he brings up a lot of good points, but his main point is really to do a game review. You should do it like a really long book that you read a couple of times before you write kind of review because of how games are structured as opposed to the, cur- the current structure that they use, which is movies. And the only caveat to his point that I would throw out is that's all well and good. But people patch games now. There's day one patches to games. There's games that receive up content updates 
every month. Halo, every month. Is Halo the same Halo that it came out in Oct- at the end of October close. as it is today? Not even Not close. even close. They've added so much content. What what <laughs> if you Google review, you're going to get a here's how it was day 1. And I get how that model made sense with an age before games could get updated. And we can also talk about the legitimacy of day one patches too, because uh, Final Fantasy 15 was officially delayed because they didn't want to do a day one patch, blah, 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 blah. Another topic probably for another podcast. But um, on that note, though, it's like, wait, like <laughs> how how are reviews of launching you? I'm going to throw it to Chris because I've got a lot of actually really big thoughts on this and I don't know if they're going to, uh, if they're really even going to tie to what you're thinking, Chris, but why don't you go ahead? This, you brought I, this to me. I anyway. think, I think the first thing you have to look at is how did we do it before? You know, when I was running on allowance money as a kid, I, I mowed a yard, I babysat a kid up the street. Like I, I came across this couple dollars and I'm ready to go to Blockbuster and rent something for the weekend because that's what I could afford. How do you pick it? Well, IGN was the be all end all. You know, you had Game Informer, you had these these titans of just this is this is what the score is rated. But the problem mm-hmm. with the score is a couple of things. First of all, if you rate a game of five and then the next game comes out and it's better, by the very nature of it, you can't give it a five, so it's got to get a five point five. So scores over time creep. They just creep on up. And now, honestly, they don't even use anything below a seven. I mean, if you like forget to to even make a game they're going to give you a five <laughs> it's just terrible that how much these things have have pushed their way up and you have well, a few places that are like mm-hmm. ars technica that does like almost like a pass fail system like buy rent skip yeah um, and that's interesting I think that's actually a, a relig- uh, legitimate way of kind of going about it because like I remember I, I ended up getting into review score snobbery. Like I remember there was a period of time where like I had enough expendable income, but I would only buy a game if it was a nine or higher off of some certain reviewers that I followed. I've actually followed reviewers who I felt like had a, a similar taste because that's the thing a lot of people, you know, will get upset about. They're like, oh, this game that I was really excited about only got an eight and that's ridiculous. It's like, well, that's because maybe that didn't necessarily speak to that reviewer, but you might seriously rate it as a nine. And um, with Metacritic, you can actually, you know, you can go record your score. But the problem, even with a, a one to five or a one to ten scale, most reviews end up being either a one or a zero or a 10, you know, it's like they're like user reviews and things like that are so like one or the other. I hate this. This is great. You know, uh, you do get people who, who, you know, buck that trend and will you know fall somewhere in the middle. But I definitely felt in, in my early, like, you know, about, you know, seven years ago into this kind of review snobbery where I actually avoided games that would probably particularly uh, stick to me, but because a reviewer said it wasn't a nine, then I was like, ah, it's not, it's not worth my time. I'm going to skip it. And since getting out of that, I've actually had a much more enjoyable experience with games when I've kind of broken free of the review, so to say. In fact, you know, I think, and we've seen this probably as a trend in media, that more people are going to YouTube and to various gaming, you know, personalities like Twitch to get a feel for the game as people stream it to then determine if they if they want to go participate in it. And so I would say that for me, outside of numbers and scores, etc., what influences me to buy a game is my friends. Like, what influences me to get a system? Well, does, do my friends 
have that system? And if so, what games are we gonna we gonna try to play together? And so, like if uh, like for example, like if you pick up uh, uh, you know uh, human uh, you know Deus Ex, and you're like Brian, this is great. Chances are I'm probably going to go out and get the game too, and then we can discuss that game, right? Uh, but if you don't, that might be something that I actually particularly skip. Now, the reviews have been coming in extremely favorable for the game, which in this case, like for this particular situation, would help push me in that direction to say, you know, that sounds interesting. I might do the same thing. Oh, you do it, and then I execute on it, as opposed to, oh, uh, it was a five. Chris got it, and then I, I would wait for your feedback on Wow, Brian, you know, that people, you know, yeah, it's got bugs or yeah, there's issues, but it's a total, it's totally worth playing through because of the story or because it's really ridiculous how overpowered this one augment is. And so you can just blow it up. But uh, generally, just so people don't think I'm saying <laughs> Deus Ex is a five, I think I've seen 8.5 to into the nines um, that people were rating the game very favorably. Uh, and the series as a whole, like it, speaking on that one, has stood the test of time. Like it is generally a series that is very well rated, especially for when the games come out. So what else, what else, what else are you thinking on game scores and, and what influences you? Well, the question is how do you pick what a game's job is? Because, you know, when we're looking for the next game night game, mm-hmm. I, I go through and I read reviews actively. I don't actually care about the score at the top because the score could be like, the soundtrack's amazing. Great. That does nothing for our game night or the storyline's amazing. Great. Does nothing for the game night. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the graphics are incredible. Does nothing for game night. All I care about is, is it fun for multiplayer? And they'll be like, oh, the replayability sucks. It's only good for 40 hours or 20 hours. Or game night's two hours a week. That's still 10 weeks. Yeah. Like that's that's a very valid concept then, for game night game. But I'm going to yeah. pick Deus Ex for playing yeah. myself, which is a totally different set of priorities, even with me being the same player. So there's obviously two uh, competing factors that you're that you just mentioned. So that there's like the games that you want to play with friends, and then the, there's like you know it's kind of like the game you know like the movies you want to see with friends, and they're like oh this is just a movie that you know when you know the wife's out of town, I'm just home, I'm just gonna I'm gonna watch this because there's no way she likes this like action oh, type movie or you know like so, so Julie does TV not like uh, Julie doesn't particularly care for like action movies so it's like uh, there was one that start oh gosh <laughs> I can't it was incredible uh, anyway if it comes to my attention I'll mention it on the podcast but uh, it was a great movie I was happy to watch it but she had no interest in it so I watched it one one weekend when she was out of town so essentially you've kind of like done that you've you've categorized two types of, uh, of kind of games kind of either your single player or games that you don't necessarily care to play with others and then the multiplayer game and there's the other factor and you've mentioned this like a game night is that <clears throat> there's a cost factor that comes into it like what does the game cost and how much value do you get on the return and you usually try to say like you try to get a dollar per hour um, right for the cost of the game so it's like you know if you're going to pick up this game you expect 60 like if you pay 60 bucks you expect 60 60 hours worth of play time and you know that's that's important you i remember you saying like you know okay we were talking about moving uh, game night back in the past to destiny which unfortunately didn't take off too well and i'm going to do kind of my own little destiny video uh this week talking about some of the things that i'm excited about with the game but uh namely we were like okay you were like before we move off of titanfall like this is the requirement i paid 40 bucks for the game i want to make sure we play 40 hours we end up doing 200 like <laughs> hours in, the, yeah. in that game but yes um 
but it was good. Like, cause, and I think actually I, I found that to be a valuable strategy because, you know, it's like, Hey, how much did I pay? And am I getting my money's worth? And, uh, like, like you got, and you gotta be, and you gotta be more careful than just raw hours because it's gotta be hours of enjoyment. You can't just go buy a game that's grindy <laughs> and be like, wow, thank God it took me 25 hours to pick up my first gun before I was allowed to play with other people in Halo. Like that's not fun. So like no man's sky is getting a lot of, a lot of criticism for that right now because the developer came out and was really, really open the whole time. And he's like, you know, we're, we're talking about making this in there and we're talking about making this in there. And mm-hmm. as anybody who's been around the programming world knows, like he didn't, there are a lot of ideas at work that like we throw around, you know, I'm not even in programming and there are a lot of ideas we throw around that never come to be. And yeah. so we would never make them public because that's not fair to the public because the public is already going to embellish in their own imagination on everything that does come out of our mouths. So let's not say anything that's not concrete. And and, and that's so, a hard that's a hard line to walk as an engineer myself. I find that, you know, between sales and, and marketing, what they talk about and I go, who said they said what? And it'd be done by when? <laughs> yeah. And you want to be excited. About and, then, and, well, and then I get mad you calls do. from from sales and from people like, hey, they said this was there. And I go, well, it can be. But what I told I told, you know, it's going to take 600 hours of development time to do that, you know, and it's like, we're happy to do it, but you co call your boss because he's also my boss and he's the one who says to do this or not to do that. And I've been told we're not doing that, you know? So I'm sorry. There was some miscommunication. It's never with me. It's always that something is, is either misunderstood or, but you're right. Um, in the world of entertainment, you know, it's like, Oh, it's going to be this. And then you just start getting excited. It's the same thing that I'm fighting on right now is that I'm so excited and, you know, I'm really wanting to learn more about the Nintendo NX, but I have, I can, I can make the system never hit those expectations. Right. And, and so and that's that, not fair to that them. That begs the question. Yeah. So obviously you're going to base a lot on your friends, but somebody has to be the first adopter and, and it could end up being you on, on a particular game I'm, or console. I'm an early and adopter. so, <laughs> and so, okay. So if yeah. reviews can no longer be trusted on their face and you're not necessarily patient enough to wait for somebody that's kind of done that book review thing that you said, like, like that, right. that Forbes article, that's an interesting idea, but I'm not going to wait until somebody's played Deus Ex five times mm-hmm. to listen to their view. I, I'm not that right. patient. And, and hype and also so, plays it, plays a, a factor you, into buying these uh, these products when they come out it's so the how do you choose built up. how do you well, choose for, for me as a as an earlier adopter like i i look at it in a couple of different ways so if we're talking about a, a system um you know like nintendo or like like xbox and playstation like what do i pick right so the earliest example was when the ps4 and the xbox one were announced you know julie said okay, well, obviously this year you can get one. You can't get both this Christmas, so I need to make a pick. And so for me, what that does is I look into a lot of factors. I read up what about the various systems, finding out information about them that, that kind of help weigh and favor that. And then essentially um, at that point, you kind of almost take a risk. It's like you're like, well, if I've got to make a choice, it's going to be X, Y, or Z. And so with the console, it's a little bit more concrete. You're spending more of an investment up. Um, as far as a game goes, um, I've shifted my entire library to, to digital only. Like, And so with that kind of approach, 
there are key titles that I know I'm going to enjoy based off the history of them, based off of the developer. So it ties like, okay, so I'm, I pre-ordered Final Fantasy 15. I'm pre-ordering Gears 4, pre-ordering Titanfall 2. And a lot of that is based off of the track record of the developer and the genre and the game that I've come to know that I've, that I've enjoyed. What so you we trust have, the developer? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, okay. and not not the publisher. You know, a lot of people get publishing games and development. They might not understand what that relationship looks like. The, you know, and, and in fact, sometimes and it's not always the fault of the publisher, but sometimes the reason why games are, are released and when they maybe needed six months in the cooker is usually because the publisher gets impatient and says, Hey, we paid for this, you know, we paid for this game. We want, we want this out now. This is when, you know, it was scheduled. So a lot, there's a, there's a, t- sometimes a tenuous relationship between the two, but yeah, they've got uh, a bit. I, I trust the developer, you know, so why did I even get into Titanfall? It's because I loved uh, the, the, it was Modern Warfare 2 was the last Modern Warfare that, uh, the Infinity Ward who really made uh, the Call of Duty series just shine out. And so th- there's a relationship with Activision. So I followed that history. Like I knew all of these things kind of going into it. And so the, the big, the, the big people at infinity ward left and they refound, they started respawn entertainment, which did Titanfall. So I was like, I really enjoyed modern warfare too. I don't like what Activision did and how that re- relationship broke up. And so I haven't actually gone and played another call of duty since that point. I have completely just shifted and, and followed these developers. Uh, and so I think that's one of the things that um, it's, it takes a little bit more research for people to do uh, as opposed to anything else. But like, I, you know, the, like Rare, you know, a lot of the guys who made Goldeneye and made Perfect Dark, well, they, they ended up going over to other studios. Like you follow the developers and you're going to find really quality titles. And the problem with that is that sometimes developers are behind a label and they those those things can shift. And so if you're if you're patient and you can kind of follow the industry a little bit close closely, you can kind of gather and pick out those those pearls of like, oh, you know, who's who's designing this? Who's leading this? It can buy you like, you know, so I guess like an example of something that I did not buy in early and I did hold off and I was glad I did was Mighty Number no. Nine, uh, big name, you know, uh, Inafune who made the Mega Man series, uh, you know, really what it really what it was over the last couple of years, you know, before uh, Capcom decided not to really do anything with it for whatever reason. Um, but I was just like, oh, you know, Kickstarter, I'm kind of hesitant on those kind of properties and on, on that kind of, on that kind of backing. Um, it's, you know, it's a whole another topic for another day. Oh, it's, but. A, it's a scratch off. You might get a game at the end, mm-hmm. but um, with, uh, but with that, it's like, so I followed, I, fo- I followed Square Enix. Like you said, like I, I follow these studios. I see what they're producing and, and I, and I read up on a little bit of the pre not too much. You know, I, they, they had this big, uh, you know, at Gamescom this last week where they were showing off a lot of Final Fantasy 15, I'm blacked out. I've like I'm already in. Like I don't want to know anything else about the game. I want to experience it for myself. I don't want to try to spoil anything. Um, and so that's kind of where that where that's at. So that that's there, you know it, there's many like and then if it comes down to a multiplayer game, I'm an early adopter. So usually what I like to do is I like to find things that I find interesting. Um, like I like what they do with Destiny. It's an RPG. It's a shooter. It's by the it's by Bungie who made Halo. So they know how to make shooters. And they've stumbled you know a bit through like year one. Year two was 
way better. Like it was just such a, a great RPG. And then year three, I'm really excited about because they're finally bringing in these things that I they were sorely lacking. And it, it's not fully complete. I think Destiny 2 will be hopefully a shining example of the lessons learned. But that was also something that I tried to influence other people to get in. And in some ways I was successful and in others I wasn't so like, you know, we look, we talk about my brother on the show several times. And if he's not subscribed to the, the YouTube channel yet or listening to this podcast, um, we'll have to, we'll have to flog him or something. But <laughs> the, um, but I, you know, there's been approaches where I've tried to get him at like in final fantasy 14, which I think would be a game he really enjoys or destiny. But there's just been, I, you know, sometimes where maybe I push a little too hard or, you know, I, I don't let, you know, for the discoverability of the game to kind of uh, shine through. And I've tried to kind of augment my approach when I, as I address new titles that might be somewhat a, a blending of genres and things like that. But um, <laughs> there's a there's a risk there that, that, that I take. And, you know, I think any early adopter takes and it's. It's kind of the kind of the fee of being an early adopter. What what are your thoughts on? It? I talked so I'm I not, talked a lot on that. So I'm not really truly an early adopter anymore because my time has become more dedicated to time with friends and things like that. So if I'm going to play a game on my own, it's probably not going to be too many more than one or two titles. I'm really trying to make an effort at at creating some content for the podcast and stuff and so I may be able to, to push my hours up and kind of make a priority out of it as, as the house gets further along. Uh, but I, I look a lot at YouTube and a lot at Twitch mm-hmm. a lot. And, and you get to know a caster or a podcast or, or something that you trust. And then what happens is when that YouTube video or that Twitch stream or something comes to an end and that content producer doesn't have something else for you in that vein, and you're still hungry for more, you go out and you search specifically for that subject. Mm-hmm. And if I notice that the same content creator keeps showing up over and over and over and, you know, that's who I ended up watching this other game on. And that's who I ended up watching this other game on. That's how I add to my, my number of subscribed channels and my number of, of people that I, I trust. I keep that a pretty tight curated list, especially on Twitch, because I really don't right. want it to be, direct TV where I've got 600 channels. I want to press following and I want, Oh, I've got five people on. And I know that no matter which one I click on, I'm about to enjoy my content. I'm a little more liberal with my YouTube. Um, just because it kind of more, it's more of a Facebook thing. It kind of just feeds it into your, your updates are over there on the left. So you can kind of watch those because it's not live. So you can kind of curate that whenever you want and just kind of like, Oh, and And you're getting everything from everybody Mm -hmm. as opposed to Twitch. I I could be subscribed to 80 channels and there might only be five live because I'm watching at 11 PM on a Tuesday. Um, so you know that I'm a little more careful with that. I want them to, and, and YouTube, you get a higher quality content out of a lot of producers because they have a chance to edit it. Uh, and so I prefer Twitch for specifically gameplay because I don't want to see a best hits. I don't want to see your five crazy headshots in halo and be like, Oh, halo looks really fun. It looks really easy to snipe. No, that's, that's total crap. Like I want to, I want to get on Twitch and I want to be like, wow, this streamer who's normally very entertaining, who seems incredibly bored or frustrated right now. That's a very accurate representation of how I'm going to feel if I go spend my time dumping into this game. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I, I look. That's very good note. And I think one of the things that we've kind of lost over the uh, this transition to this generation is that while I have no problem with 
downloading a digital game, there's not really a way of saying like, oh, that game really wasn't what I was looking for. Can I get a refund? And there's been talks about game trading and, and sharing and um, even refunds and things like that with different systems. So hopefully we're going to see that that system continue to evolve because one of the, one of the things that's really lacking is – uh, you know, let's say I pick up a game and I'm really enjoying it and you're on the fence, the ability for you, me to lend you that game or for you to go check out that game because I on your friends list have it and they could say, hey, you know, play the first hour, you know, for free. It that You know, obviously that time limit and what they want to do should be up to the developer, but to open that up so that, you know, it's like, well, let me check that out. Okay, let me create that character. Okay, I want to see more. I'm going to go ahead and invest in this game because the thing we have lost is that the the concept of the rental really like yes you can go yeah. rent some games they've got you know Gamefly and different services like that but those are just things that like i you know for me from a time perspective i'm actually not going to most likely rent a game i'm going to research it and if it's already out i'm going to read about it i'm going to check out youtube i'm going to check out twitch to kind of d- make that decision if i want to buy or not yeah i was very excited about overwatch but i ended up holding off for a while and then um after just continually being invited and seeing just so many people playing it it's like okay i'm gonna go ahead and bite the bullet thankfully i had a little bit of my kind of allowance for the month i was like well i've got i've got the money it's like I, you know what am i going to spend it on um well let me go ahead and make that that dive and and it's it's been a it's been a good choice but it was one of those that uh <laughs> you know, I was like, it was interesting because I wasn't an early adopter on it, but I, I did kind of was excited about it beforehand. And again, because of other people, you know, I, like I, I owned a GameCube controller, I owned a GameCube controller and I didn't own a GameCube because right. at the time I had friends that owned a GameCube. And so what I got from those games was, and they didn't have an extra controller. So I could come play at their house with them as long as I brought my own controller. So I went to GameStop, I bought a refurbished controller and I owned a controller to a system I didn't own. Yeah, and, and so you played and, Smash Brothers with that, I would be my yeah, I guess. Yeah, and so I played <laughs> Smash Brothers. There was some Tony Hawk back then. There was a oh, lot of man. these. Oh, man. That were a lot of, downhill. There were a lot of games that were very, very interesting um, back then. And so I didn't need to go buy the console. I didn't have the money for that, but I did have friends that played it. And so that's, that's an important thing is is when you look at what you're looking for you know my brother only plays competitive games that's all he looks for and uh and so he gets his games from basically professional streamers and friends who's a friend that's going to play competitive if it doesn't have a leaderboard and it doesn't have a a esports presence you're not going to get him. You're just not. I mean, I can try all day. I think it'd be fun to play a game like when we were kids, but he's just gotten so his times come so hard to come by that only his top genre makes it onto his list 99% of the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's like, this is a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it can be considered a hobby. It can be considered a career. It can be considered a, a way of relaxing and enjoying it. And that's really what it's about. It's like, you know, don't feel like you need to play everything, but if you can, then also more power to you, but don't feel like you have to go and, you know, be an independent game reviewer if you're not being paid for it. Um, so anyway, with that, I wanted to wrap up the show. Uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, especially on YouTube or on SoundCloud, please feel free to leave a comment of what like influences you like oh did any of the our uh, thoughts and points kind of ring true uh and you know as always i guess the standard uh you know social media role subscribe uh like uh the the video or the or the uh, rate us on youtube uh, or on um you know itunes or whatever you know just really let us know what you're thinking we love to like to hear from you you can always reach us at the email uh work to game videos at gmail.com that's work to game 
videos at gmail.com if you have a, a question that you want you want to send in without posting a comment um and with that chris you got any final words no just thank you guys share the podcast with friends yeah all right everybody and uh as always until next week see you then <laughs>